2: Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast, brought to you by Yahoo DFS. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you. We are going to be on this every Thursday. We've been kind of carrying the torch throughout the off season, but now we've been joined by a a uh, you know a who's who of Rotowire talent
3: the uh, throughout Avengers the rest of the now week. Is, right? That's what people say when there's a ensemble scenario. It's the Avengers. well when they're talking about us specifically. Yeah. You know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I didn't. I didn't look at all the schedule but yeah there are names of people who work with us who are cool that's all i remember <laughs> and uh yeah every, everyone that's back is sort of like the the spider-man
2: type people that that rejoined after the infinity stones did the thing after their
3: vacation in between the various sequels and offshoots yes of which there will be many more i'm guessing yeah uh and so Today, uh, so John, we're going over recent news of what sort.
2: We are. So I will, as the host, I will uh, point us in those directions. So I just
3: wanted to host for a second there, and now I've got my fill for the year.
2: (laughs) But. Let's, uh, let's start out with this Denver backfield because it's one of interest. It's got a player that uh, is going to be or has been getting drafted in the first 40 or so picks or 50 or so picks uh, thus far in, in drafts. Uh, obviously, he had the offseason wrist thing, and he's expected to be ready for the start of training camp. Uh, Denver, I think, reported yesterday, but uh, he's going to be eased into practice.
3: Yeah, so Philip Lindsay is a player. Last year, I failed to foresee it all, and you, John, actually attempted to point him out to me during uh, the summer. I think, like when I wrote an article about uh, like notable undrafted players, and because I'm stupid, I was writing up players like Josh Adams and Mike Boone, uh, and actually omitted Lindsay. Which I feel very embarrassed about. And uh, part of the reason I'm so embarrassed is because I basically think he's the real deal. Like, I think as a rookie, he was very convincing. And I think the way he won, you know, with, with he's, he's a high motor guy, of course, but the, the speed is what kind of makes him notable. Des, despite it being undrafted, he is, you know, one of the more athletically. Uh, gifted running backs in the league and not, not in terms of size obviously he's only like 190 or whatever but he's pretty close to a burner he's basically a burner by running back standards and the other guy Royce Freeman the third round pick was you know heavily favored by the markets me included like he was probably like a fifth sixth six He's going around where Lindsay is now yeah, yeah. So that's uh, in hindsight that was quite a miss on my part. I wasn't really buying him there. I was I was I just uh I guess it was probably because I thought Devontae Booker was good or something like that. Uh <laughs> either way, I was I was wrong on uh several counts with that Denver backfield last year. However, I don't think that means Royce is not good. Like I think Royce is is actually pretty good. I, I think he's closer to like a four and a half yards per carry kind of running back than the four. That he logged last year and if you look at his player page on the rotowire website he graded very highly Royce Freeman did in terms of like breaking tackles like we got him at top 96 percentile uh, average yards after contact 71st percentile so that's uh that's at once like a, a tackle a tackle breaking rate that's difficult to sustain but there was also the curious detail and I don't have the specific number on me but there was a lot more yardage before contact in the case of Lindsay. So Lindsay maybe wasn't getting like better or maybe, maybe Lindsay wasn't getting lucky with his blocking as much as Royce was getting unlucky with his. And, um, maybe they, they had different kind of like, you know, uh,
2: the, the type of carries that they're getting out of the backfield like maybe they're kind of more so flinging Freeman just kind of into the teeth of the defense whereas they're probably trying to get Lindsay a little bit around the edge on you know off tackle and that kind of thing
3: yeah and I wasn't like a huge fan of the last coaching staff so I could imagine them kind of like tipping the, the play calling intentions a little bit like maybe going more bunched up when Royce is on the field that's just me speculating baselessly I don't know but in any case as I think you can both believe that Lindsay gets more yardage before contact as a like skill-based trait. Like, he does, he's not lucky as much as it's just like he's really good at finding space. And you can also believe at the same time that Royce is due for better luck with his blocking. So I think the answer for these two could very well be both rather than one or the other. Uh, Royce you can usually get uh, looks like on draft in the past uh, few days. I feel like this is a little higher than he's been, but about 88th pick. Um, so you sometimes see him slip into like the ninth round and that's a really good spot to get him. If you're, especially if you're doing like a zero running back approach, like I wouldn't try to handcuff these guys or anything as much as I think they'll both be good at their respective values. But particularly if Vic Fangio has a really good defense that he's basically always had everywhere he goes in his NFL career, that Denver team could have a a kind of template where, uh, particularly with that home field advantage that they get, the defense could be really good, like, you know, top five kind of good. And we could have like a loose analogy to Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen between Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. But I would think, whereas it was like, whatever, 55% Howard, 45% Cohen, it might be the other way around, even though the functions still mirror each other. Not that they won't use Lindsay like Tariq Cohen as a receiver, but uh, just in terms of kind of, uh, you know, Maybe Freeman gets more of the goal line carries and stuff like that, more of the short yardage stuff, and uh, maybe they both, you know, make their owners happy. Okay, I, I think uh, I think coming into this
2: podcast, I was kind of expecting you to be more on the Philip Lindsay is a trap, but that's kind of where I've been. Uh, oh, really? So maybe I was just doing a bit of projecting, but I think. I don't know. I think that the fact that, he, you know, we got a new coaching staff in here and we have a situation where Lindsey, you know, has been hampered throughout this offseason with the wrist thing and Royce Freeman being able to kind of get first crack at making a really good first impression. Uh, and obviously within like the, the front office itself he's the one he's the commodity that they you know paid a higher price to go ahead and get so i think that they have a bigger role in store for royce freeman for this year so i could potentially see him actually overtaking maybe he gets the 55 percent of that 55 45 uh split between him and Lindsay. but maybe i was a little bit too hasty to kind of like write off Lindsay as a, as a one-year wonder because he does have those traits like you were mentioning especially with the speed and the athleticism that that should be able to like keep him on an nfl roster and keep him you know engaged in, in, in a, in a give an offense like this one uh for for you know at least another year or two here but i, I just i had like a sneaking is philip Lindsay this year's alex collins type of
3: feel um, that's a fair concern i guess i guess the way i see it differently is um I just thought Lindsay was utterly convincing last year and like I fell for Alex Collins. So I know that's not like my suspicion doesn't count for anything, but, uh, Lindsay just, it's one of those things where I think in hindsight I can see the way that I was wrong about Lindsay enough. Like with Collins, I, I, I was again convinced going into last year that he would be good, but there were enough warning signs with him. It was like, he was a terribly, uh, low grade athlete at the combine and uh the fumbles were always there and it, it's just he was always a guy who was even in the good case scenarios probably just replacement level at best whereas with lindsey it's like you have a guy who runs like a four three seven or whatever he did he had great rookie year production and uh it, like basically every week like he it wasn't like propelled by a 200 yard game and then a bunch of 30 yard games where, right. where he was kind of like reverting to type he was pretty much awesome every single time that I watched him play. And he was basically the same player he was at Colorado. And when you have the athletic tools like that, that's a different case, I think than Collins, as much as like the pedigree is a a concern. It's like, I think with Collins, in hindsight, he went in the part of the draft he was supposed to. Whereas with Lindsay, like everybody just, yeah, missed. missed. like, he should, he should have been like a third rounder or something like that. Um, but in any case, I think the way it could work for both, the way that there could be enough for both Royce and Philip Lindsay is, again, they kind of get like a F- Jordan Howard, a Tariq Cohen level like share of the offense and the defense is good enough to give them a lot of time of possession to, to, to like exploit that share of the offense. And it's like, I don't expect Flacco to do anything. So if, if, you know, let's say that the Broncos are a nine and seven team or a ten and six team. That should be a scenario where at least one of Royce and Lindsay like go off or like both are good because like I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is gonna do much. I don't think the tight ends are gonna produce I'm pretty skeptical of Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick's just like a wide receiver four or something like that. So uh, if they're good, I think it they need both Royce and Lindsay to contribute. But otherwise, even if Lindsay regresses in the rushing share of the offense, he's due, I think, for better pass catching production. Like he had five drops last year that kind of tanked his yards per target and his catch rate but he was an awesome receiver at colorado right. and flacco's a check down guy they don't have a, any dennis pitta on in, in this offense so it's like he, i don't i don't really see flacco chucking it deep to sutton all the time so i can imagine lindsey actually getting like 55 60 catches this year yeah that that's another huge wrinkle when it comes to joe
2: flacco and a flacco led offense. Is that yeah if the, if the first guy is an opener sometimes it doesn't really matter He's gonna he's gonna look to to dump it off short and and like you said the, the, none of the tight ends that they have I mean Fant intriguing but you know extremely raw um, and then Jake Budd has had you know more injuries than you can even possibly fathom Hoyerman's for a guy just
3: sub replacement yeah I think.
2: yeah exactly so there's a lot of these underneath targets up for grabs here in the in this offense and uh, I think Lindsey kind of like you said is going to be like the prime candidate to to kind of pick up a lot of those i do worry about this offense as a whole uh, I, I guess fair. um i
3: mean flacco my even my good case scenario description of lindsey and freeman is like because joe Flacco's terrible so yeah when you have a bad quarterback things can go quite badly do Do you know much about the offensive coordinator that they brought in i forgot his name it's a but he's, he's a guy who was at um The FCS level, and I can't remember what schools, but ostensibly he's a, like, Kyle Shanahan type of offense guy. He was, like, I want to say quarterbacks coach for Shanahan in San Francisco the past couple years. Okay. So that's what they will try to do. It's anyone's guess whether he's, you know, good at it. Like, we saw uh LaFleur leave the McVeigh environment and like he knew all the lessons of the McVeigh, you know, approach, but he didn't know how to execute it on his own. So that like that part is an unknown. We can't we he could be this new coach. Uh he could be, you know, the truth. He might need some time to adjust to a new job. No one really knows, but there is a possibility I think that it goes the good case scenario because, you know, it, we don't really see these great coaches coming ahead of time. Usually it's, it's pretty rare that there's like a stud coach prospect who comes (laughs) through. Um, so yeah, he can, he he worked under Shanahan, you know, so that's, that's something that shows like the, the approach is at least a favorable one, even if the execution isn't there. Okay. So, denver's denver will be an interesting test test case this year
2: among the the uh teams with new uh new coordinators new coaching staffs and
3: obviously with, with new quarterbacks as yeah. well
2: so we'll see how that goes i'm a goes. Fangio
3: fan so i think the defense will be sick and like the general culture of the team will be good but yeah i I am a Flacco hater, so we'll see how the rest goes. That's all right. I thought about wearing my Flacco shirt
2: today, but I passed on it. Um, and then you you me briefly uh, mentioned Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, let's get to him oh, yeah. real quick before we kind of wrap up our our Denver opening uh, to the podcast. So he's not actually starting the camp on the pup list, which is you know an encouraging thing for a guy who's yes he's on the wrong side of 30 and yes he's coming off an Achilles tear but it seems like you know he's he's doing everything he can to get back but it's still something where I think the the factors that I kind of let off with lead me to just kind of leave him alone for this year
3: yeah it could burn me but I have no interest in Emmanuel Sanders this year I think he would need to be something like I don't know 14th 15th round before I would even start to think about it and he never falls that far or at least I don't I don't recall seeing him in the most in most drafts i've been in i'm pulling up this adp data from uh, over the past few days on draft.com and in their best ball drafts and uh sanders slid to 162.9 in this sample so uh, i guess that's like the 13th round um he had been going higher and i think with this news that he's not going on the pup he's going to bounce back to that previous level so if i ever had a shot at getting him it was you know the past week or two or something and i didn't get any shares so i I think i'm not going to get any now now that the price is going to go back up he was previously going around like 150 or so um he could go even higher than that like if i mean especially if they say something like he'll be in practice by you know august 10th or whatever then that's reasonably would you know result in people being more optimistic but for me just 32 year old with an Achilles tendon tear. And what was it? Week 12, something like that? It was really late. Yeah. And he's, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders has been a really good receiver in the NFL, but he's not like a Demarius Thomas case where Demarius Thomas came back from one of his Achilles. He had another Achilles tear earlier in his career and he came back really quick, but like Demarius Thomas, uh, it was like a, you know, top 98 percentile athlete, like a total genetic freak. And, um, Sanders is a good athlete too, but I I just don't want to bet on that kind of like cyborg stuff with him. And he like you know he's so reliant on like
2: be on like winning really quick off the line and, and you know kind of being this darting presence in, in the passing game. And you just wonder if he'll have that same sort of crispness to his cuts and, and the burst off the line with, with that injury and and also with the age mixed in.
3: Yeah, and like Flacco's not going to elevate him any. He could lean on him a lot, but it uh, I just I don't know how much there will be to go around in the sense of like aggregate passing game production. Like it'd be one thing if we were talking about an offense with 4,500 passing yards up for grabs, but it's more likely, I don't know, 3,500, something like that. So Mm -hmm. I just think that the floor is pretty low and the ceiling is constrained quite a bit by the circumstances. Even before you, you know, try to guess what happens to a 32 year old Achilles tendon case. So I'm pretty much out, but uh, if I'm wrong about you know his physical condition, and then that could be uh, one of the ways that I get burned this year because he's really good if he's healthy. Like that's certainly something i don't mean to question so one last one last thing on on this
2: topic if he is good to go start of the season who does that impact the most in this denver passing game i, I would imagine it's deshaun hamilton
3: yeah like if, if i don't even understand that brief hype there was like a month or two ago for hamilton like there's a thing like he could he could catch like a 100 freaking passes this year It's was like uh I guess I don't think so. I don't think he will though and now it's just like oh right Emmanuel Sanders is gonna play this year Deshaun Hamilton I'd, I don't know I'd put the over under at like 41 and a half catches or something like that and probably for like 380 yards so I have no yeah. interest yeah I, I don't think I do either and then especially if Sanders really is
2: good to go. Uh, We're going to get on to some more news and notes here but before that it's officially July which means football season is around the corner and Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in the action now. With Best Ball you draft your fantasy football team and that's it you don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment. No waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Tired of of mock drafts for your fantasy team and having other players drop out early and not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football, but don't want to manage your teams all season? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams over on yahoo play for free or play for cash but most importantly get to drafting with yahoo fantasy best ball join a league today at sports.yahoo.com slash best ball that's sports.yahoo.com slash best ball coming soon to the yahoo fantasy app all right mario so we are really really close to to just being like overloaded with training camp content but we're not quite there but we got we got some more news and notes kind of flowing in trickling in Throughout the week, one thing that I think caught both of our eyes to to varying degrees, I saw uh, you tweet about it a little bit, Ronald Jones, power back.
3: Right, yeah. Uh, Mr. Universe, Ronald Jones is up to 221 pounds or something like that. And I... To be transparent, I just have no clue where this is going because it's not an automatic good, but it's not an automatic bad either. Like yeah, it's really tough to project the physical outcome for a player when they change their you know fundamental physical state to that extent because we know who Ronald Jones at USC was. Like it was a one hundred and ninety five pound back who was very fast and he was super productive basically every single game., you uh, get big workload volume. Never really did anything as a pass catcher, but it's like when you watch him play, he seems very coordinated and everything. There's no reason to think he can't really do it necessarily. Um, With that said, 195-pound Ronald Jones worked at USC. We don't really know how well 220-pound Ronald Jones would have worked at USC because the USC Ronald Jones is probably running a 4.35, something like that, and at like 195, as I said. So 220 uh you know if he if he's still running like a 445 at 220 then that's awesome but we don't know that he is he might be like a 452 guy and it's like who wanted to draft Ronald Jones four five two forty 40 yard dash everybody was like this is Jamal Charles this is like 435 he's fast and like he's from that, Texas he's got the hair yeah so it's like if if he's 445 whatever at 220 that's pretty sick that's almost like Darius Geist kind of size speed Um, but yeah, we don't, we don't know what if we don't know if there was a cost to adding that weight. And a lot of the times there is, sometimes there isn't, it's just, we, we can't know. And, uh, I, I don't, I I don't know what to make of the whole backfield generally there. And I'm still paranoid that they might trade for somebody like Jarek McKinnon or Duke Johnson or something like that. So I'm not really jumping at the chance to get Jones, but as someone who thinks Peyton Barber is like basically AAF level talent i generally want to bet on jones just because i think that offense will be good it's just it's kind of it's just a really tough case to figure it out and it's hard to find a way to put him on your roster that doesn't leave you at significant risk right there, there's a lot of risk involved and i don't think you
2: can have this discussion without at least acknowledging that um, but i also think just reading the tea leaves of this Buccaneers off season where there was a chance to, you know, add to that running back core and they didn't, I think that that speaks volumes. So I think, and I think you bring up a really good point with guys like uh, McKinnon and Duke Johnson as being guys who, you know, I think maybe on their, on their way out of their respective teams. But I think as it stands going into training camp, Tampa Bay is going to give Ronald Jones the opportunity to just kind of make that a non non-debate for that for that Buccaneers front office if he looks as good as he could which I was very high on Ronald Jones and I'm, I'm kind of like half taking the L on on my evaluation of him
3: but still holding it's out early. some hope yeah and, so. and the other thing is it's like I, I, I always mention this in these articles where I've where I've talked about Jones it's like Dirk Cutter is a uniquely unfit head coach as far as un- identifying and, and utilizing talent like he was attached to Jacquees Rogers of all players and like Peyton Barber of course so uh I don't think that the fact that Jones didn't play at all last year is necessarily a condemnation of like his whole career. Also, he he was really young. He just turned, I think, he's only turning twenty two or something like that, and like in a month or something like that. Yeah, so, he's really young. So yeah, I mean, it's just too early. I th- I think it's the, there's a real possibility last year was just like an N slash A grade rather than a true F. And uh that's a if that's as good of an offense as we think it'll be, and they don't add a running back. It's got to be him or Barber who does something, and I, I just can't bet on Barber. No, so uh, yeah, Jones definitely the more talented of the two.
2: So hopefully he gets it together. And I think also there's something to the to the fact I think that uh, you know he is 221 now or whatever. But a training camp in Tampa Bay, he probably enters a season at, like, 213 or something.
3: Yeah, it's not a natural weight for him. No, that, that, that'll, that'll come down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he might, as he as might be camp. down but to, like, 205 <laughs> in a month. But, uh, yeah, so I, I think I'm more optimistic than pessimistic. It's just a question of price and, like, roster construction because it's like I don't want him as my running back three, but I also – it's hard to get him as a running back four without leaving yourself thin at receiver or something like that. Right, yeah, so that things to consider when you're rolling – uh, through your drafts and obviously
2: as training camp unfolds things will hopefully clear up a little bit especially in tampa bay the future of daily fantasy sports has arrived experience super drafts exclusive game mode multiplier say goodbye to salary restrictions and hello to lineup freedom use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build every or build your own Dream Team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. SuperDraft offers contests for NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and PGA so you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for SuperDraft today using promo code ROTOWIRE and claim your free $5 in cash in SuperCash and a free $3 entry with your first deposit. Download in the App Store or Play at superdraft.io. SuperDraft, no limits, more winning. All right, Mario. So you are one, one of the uh, several RotoWire employees who uh, was. Uh lucky enough or or deserved enough to get an invite into the, into the scott fishbowl <laughs> the the ninth edition thereof um so obviously that that's a that's something that especially at this uh time of the year i feel like it holds center stage of the fantasy community just because you know again training yeah. camp hasn't really started this is sort of like we're very online we are I mean, it's so a online chance to post which Could, i love yeah see it's it's prime posting season here and that's why we love uh, the fishbowl so give us a bit of a breakdown as to what exactly makes the fishbowl
3: unique and how you've attra- attacked your draft through the first 20 rounds well i got to mention it's, it's scott fishbowl you know named after scott fish who's a, a towering figure in the fantasy community and it's uh, the big thing about it is it's to raise funds for this fantasy cares initiative i believe that is a uh, fantasycares.net is the website where uh, Scott put this together where people donate and, uh, the funding is used. Uh, it can, they had some more general charity initiatives, I think recently, but it started out as at least like a, we get Christmas presents for kids who don't get Christmas presents otherwise. So that's what the the broader deal is, and the way it's it raises so much money is like with its volume of leagues, of course. And I don't even know how many leagues and divisions there are, but um, I think it's twelve hundred teams. So it's basically a there's like the playoff tournament scenario to determine who's like truly first uh, after after all those leagues are declared winners and losers in week twelve or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I there's also scoring quirks like they change it yearly and they uh made it i think it's a full point per reception and a full point per first down for tight ends whereas it's a half point ppr and half point first down for all other positions and then there's a five point bonus for each 300 yards and a five point bonus for each 50 yards from scrimmage. So that means I, if I'm understanding it right, if you get a 150 receiving yards and, uh, or 150 rushing yards and 50 receiving yards, if some Zeke does that or whatever, that would be 20 bonus points right there. So that's how the scoring can get kind of high and uh, the, the tight ends are increased in importance. It's also super flex. So that's, th- there's all these ways that the scores get higher and, and then it, it opens up a lot of uh, strategic, Uh, avenues depending on how the markets in the league go so yeah that with a scoring system like that there's a lot of ways to attack uh upside scenarios and it's just kind of probably depends on how people draft that determines the strategy for you but do you you think that the tight end like the i mean to me it
2: sounds a bit i mean it's obviously an advantage uh for for tight for tight ends and having an elite tight end but do you think it's a bit of a dog whistle just like Are you going to move up a guy, you know, a round or two just because of the extra half point you get per reception and for first down
3: just because it's a tight end? So I don't know what I'm doing, but Good. my suspicion was that there was a little bit of inflation with the tight ends that wasn't necessarily always merited. Like I think it was merited in the case of Travis Kelsey, who often would go one Oh one. Yeah. He's in these just, he went three in, in Jeff Erickson's. Yeah. And I think it's worth it because I mean, that guy could have the best stats for receivers. So if you get a half a point more for each catch and first down kind of explains itself there, but the drop off from him to uh, Ertz and Kittle I think could be huge and I love Kittle and and I think Ertz is very good but uh, I think there's a lot of reasons to think both of their seasons in 2018 were their career years and uh, not to say they don't have it in them to keep going because they're both elite talents it's just uh, it's a high price to pay when you're picking him over picking them over the likes of like Antonio Brown or something like that or Mike Evans and so I didn't really see it that way. I expect. Ertz and Kittle to more likely have about 900 yards this year and uh, Ertz has never been a touchdown guy so I don't really expect uh, him to offset it with that whereas with Kelsey it's like he could go for 1400 yards and like 15 touchdowns or something so he's in his own league uh, I really yeah I wish I had been able to get Kelsey but because I didn't I kind of faded tight end a little bit but I still got a guy I like a lot Vance McDonald and uh, I don't want to say the eighth round something like that Mm -hmm. um the way i went was i had the i think eighth pick and i went deandre hopkins in the first second round i didn't like i'm i don't know what super flex is about really like i'm not good at it or at least i've never really done it so i don't know what i'm doing But I was like, I guess I should take a quarterback in the second round just in case, you know, 10 go off the board until my third pick. So I took Andrew Luck in the second. I was like, if if my team sucks, it probably won't because of him, at least. So um, I took him and I believe it was Damian Williams in the third round. Uh, Fourth round, Keenan Allen fifth round uh kenyan drake Kenyon drake and i guess i might have gone tevin coleman in, or i probably took kyler in the sixth but yeah anyway my team's looking I, I like the way it looks i had three quarterbacks who i think should start all year in, in andrew luck kyler murray and kyler murray it was a player I really had circled on the board because if that five point from scrimmage bonus for 50 yards, it's like, I think he could hit that, I don't know, four or five times this year. And I, I fully expect him to do pretty good as a passer too. the, the rushing production. Um, there is a heavy penalty for interceptions. I think it's four points you lose. So that it could luck should like kind of counterbalance it if if, if murray does have a bit of issues with that. yeah luck's a bit of a slinger himself but at least it's six points per passing touchdown and i'll be disappointed if luck doesn't have like 35 or so yeah um murray might only have like 25 something like that with you know 18 interceptions or something but if that it, because of the rushing production i, I just think he's going to be a real asset in basically any system including this one did you see me get ri- my draft get ratioed on twitter the other day oh no what, what happened <laughs> it had a lot of the same guys that you have but i think just
2: like when you look when someone like posts their draft especially when it's like a 14 team or people don't really like contextualize how bad those teams look compared to a 12 team or a 10 team so like i started out with hopkins and at the seventh pick in a standard league and then i also got damian williams Kenyon drake uh, with my oh, next nice. two picks, and then I got Kyler Murray in like the thirteenth or the twelfth or something. Either like we're that. both
3: going to do very well this year or very badly. Yeah.
2: So yeah, I'm aligned with that as well. But yeah, I, it was just funny. Like I, I had never seen a draft that I tweeted out get much more than like a response or two, saying like, "Oh, nice job," or right, "What do you think of this guy?" But uh, yeah, no, it was a, it was. A, do you
3: know how long ago it was that you posted it? Uh,
2: Saturday. Okay. Now I'm curious. Yeah. You know? if, if you look at like media under my under my twitter uh you should be able to find it and uh yeah people uh what were they what were they saying Why, uh they said trash uh <laughs> garbage uh someone did a trash Oh is this the tra- Vegas League? Yeah the trash oh, okay. can the trash can emoji um someone said looks like a 12th place finish and i said how do you know there are two teams worse
3: than mine Yeah bitch yeah owned. um <laughs> i'm looking at the team and uh yeah i think uh it's almost it's almost a shame it's not uh, super flex or whatever because i think there's a pretty good chance that kyler murray outscores russell wilson but yeah that's two good quarterbacks this was also like before that before it looked really clear that the the league was going to try to sneak in tyree kill back in so that me cole pick i don't know no one knows what the hell is going to happen with tyree so yeah i that that could be the way it goes well for you if if they do still end up suspending him a long time or whatever but uh I, I don't think it's a trash team john I, th- I think uh i think it's uh yeah latavius murray in the eighth or whatever that's, that's a fine team i didn't quite get the same i was so you had dante moncrief on on this team and i'm a bit of a truther with him i think uh i think he, he was someone that i was targeting I, I was considering trying to pursue a little bit of a pittsburgh passing game stack to go with vance mcdonald because it's, with an extreme tournament setup like this it's like it kind of makes sense. To have stacks just because your good case scenario needs to be so densely concentrated to to, to categorically have the chance to finish that high so it was like yeah maybe it's not the best value to like take this guy wherever it is to make the stack complete but uh, you also know it's like if the offense is whatever top five or something like that that's a way to kind of have this bundle of of top range outcomes all in one place and you usually have to overpay or take a bad value somewhere to complete it but i missed out on moncrief largely because of that scoring system where it's the half ppr and the first down thing specifically because i feel like that first down thing um, particularly in the mid to late rounds at receiver uh, that that led me to target guys like Jamison crowder and muhammad sanu okay uh, muhammad sanu is one of the uh he, he was like top 40 in first down catches last year and no one's taking him very seriously i think that's a mistake i think in scott fishbowl he's going to be one of the better values this year but yeah in any case my running back group was rounded out by Gus Edwards, who I think I took in the 19th round, uh, Carlos Hyde, who I reached for a bit in the 10th, but it was like, I just, I, I liked my team a lot, but I only like my team a lot if I have the starting Kansas City running back and I have full faith in Damian Williams, but he also could get hurt. And if he does, I don't want to spend a hundred fab on uh, well, like Carlos Hyde would have been picked and so was Darwin Thompson. So I just would have been, you know, out of it, uh, if that happens and Hyde might suck. He might not play ahead of Darwin Thompson, even if Damian Williams gets hurt. But in theory, I gave myself some protection there. And I also took Duke Johnson because I think if, if he gets traded to Tampa Bay, like my God, he's like a top 15 pick or something like yeah, that, especially, to me. especially so, in this format. So yeah, that was the running backs. And then my receivers, it was Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Sammy Watkins, Sanu, Devin Funchess, crowder uh, marquise brown who i got as my wide receiver eight i was pretty happy about that and then dion kane was my last pick uh i took chris herndon in the 14th that was after the suspension news and uh I, as long as vance mcdonald stays healthy until week six i'll feel pretty good about that pick okay before we get to the rest of like your your end game
2: uh strategy there because we are getting close to the the final few rounds of that of that draft and, and we'll hear more about your tight ends here in a second but we got a message from our guys at fantasy draft FantasyDraft.com would like to bring you an important message about Rake. Are you tired of paying high fees to play Daily Fantasy? Did you know that over time, these fees, called Rake, can cost Daily Fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fantasy sites continue to raise Rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More Rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But... Change is coming. Starting in July, Fantasy Draft is changing the game by bringing you rake-free daily fantasy. That's right. Soon you'll be able to play your favorite contests without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners, 100% of the time. Playing your favorite fantasy contest rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free Daily Fantasy is a truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today and be the first to know when the rake-free revolution begins. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free seven-day trial. All right, Mario, let's get back into it. So Chris Herndon, so before the suspension news came across where was his adp and how much did the suspension affect it i would imagine a fair bit even if it gets appealed down to you know a lesser
3: like two game type of thing yeah i can only i have that adp from the best ball drafts on draft from earlier and uh, it looks like in june chris herndon was about uh, 117 so like that 120 range um I guess I put him within the first 10 rounds. I didn't realize he was going that high. Uh, we knew he was going to get suspended or at least we had reason to think he would. And, uh, the four games was a surprise to me. I thought it was going to be two. Uh, it's, I mean, it's not to minimize the offense. It's just like, I just, I, for some reason thought it was usually a two game thing for the, the DUI or whatever it was that he got. Um, so he f- was at 120, and in the past couple days on draft, he's more around 134. Uh, that might drop a little bit more yet, just because I noticed like this is he's still going earlier than Dallas Goddard. Who it's like I'm a, I'm agnostic on who I would prefer between them, even if Herndon was playing 16 games instead of 12. Um, so he might slip a little bit more yet. But in the 14th round of the Scott Fishbowl. I wish I had the eighty or the the draft order up because it's like all the vaguely comparable tight ends like him were probably gone in like the ninth or okay. something like that because the people are in this league are not my particular draft just the whole Scott Fishbowl. Uh, you know ecosystem people are crazy for the tight ends they're just crazy for these tight ends and um because yeah i looked like herndon went in something like the 10th in another league where someone pulled the trigger before the news came out so uh that was a good value i got him after uh immediately after jordan reed uh delaney walker and kyle rudolph one pick before will disley so um shout out will disley yeah so as long as vance mcdonald doesn't get hurt which he could he's been injury prone his whole career Uh, but if he doesn't until week six, at least then Herndon theoretically could be like a top 10 round guy that I, you know, just got at a later price and had no, had no penalty to pay for when I needed to keep him on the bench. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a good player. His general projection, I was agnostic on just because it was like, I have no faith in Adam Gase or Dowell Loggins and that jets offensive line is kind of scary. But I love Sam Darnold, and I really like the receivers, too. I think Quincy and Noon was good, as, as much as it's always Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder, who gets talked about. Um, Lavy and Bell, they're going to have to feed a lot to justify having on the team, basically, and as a pass catcher included. So that Bell was actually my biggest concern. Bell and Crowder, I guess, work a lot in the part of the field that herndon would mm-hmm. so that concerned me a little bit but herndon seems very good for his own uh, you know his own part and if he should get usage i think he would do very well with it based on what he did as a rookie because he was pretty convincing like it's pretty rare for a rookie tight end to be as good as he was last, especially year. you know a, a non- pedigree guy like he wasn't you know with first top 100 pick type of guy right i was surprised that he went in the fourth round because it's like he he basically got drafted for his like high school recruiting detail because he got hurt out of miami and just didn't play all that much there um but yeah last year getting uh getting on the field for 620 snaps catching 39 of 56 targets 502 yards and four touchdowns so it's it's nine yards a target at that rate and that's hard to sustain i would imagine he regresses there just because if he doesn't he's you know basically on a trajectory to be one of the very best tight ends in the league and it's it's a it's a lot to ask but uh, generally tight ends who produce like that as a rookie have to have some standout skill because tight ends a lot of really good tight ends don't do half that much as a rookie yeah exactly so uh he once he gets back i think he'll be an
2: immediate contributor and then in the, in the meantime like you mentioned i do think this kind of like low-key boosts
3: up bells uh, projection at least for their and part crowder of the season. i think yeah yeah that's a good call um and Anunwa, i mean i th- I think Anunwa was like a slot guy last year i think he's going to be like a co-starter outside with anderson and then like the top backup at the slot but when they run trips or things like that he's going to be in that part of the field too and i I think he's pretty good when he when he's healthy yeah i I think so too so it'll be an interesting year here
2: with the jets because like the roster construction at least at the skill positions but the gaze factor is is, (laughs) it's one to uh to maybe dread a little bit potentially um do you have any other parting shots before we roll out here
3: uh, I guess we can mention uh, because we needed more to do. We'll we'll be doing the college football podcast again pretty soon, also, which had been on like a two or three year hiatus.
2: Yep, um, been a while.
3: So yeah, that'll that'll be uh, for those of you who who were insanely pissed off that we've talked about college on the NFL podcast. How dare and, us! <laughs> uh, I was not that I've heard any complaints, but it's like I, I can imagine that being like, why are they talking about? Uh, booby curry uh, yeah um, we'll we'll keep that to to the uh to the college you don't football have to podcast. hear booby curry's name for at least three more years starting now starting now so get that get the booby clock booby clock uh get
2: started there and uh Yeah. So starting next Wednesday, the the 24th, uh, that will be the college football podcast. So keep an eye out for that. And listen to the other uh, NFL podcasts now that there's people doing it like every freaking day, even when we're not. Yeah, exactly. So tomorrow, Friday, there will be another episode here. So stay tuned for that. Uh, This was the roto NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Thanks for listening.
1: That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.